following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. Since it's New Year's time, the last few messages have been a lot about your direction and my direction for this whole new year. What kind of course is our life on? Why are we doing what we're doing, how we're doing it? This is the time of the year we stop and reassess. What are the things that God put in me? What's God's will for my life? This is the perfect time to get your direction right or to make some readjustments. And so we're talking about gifts today, specifically spiritual gifts that God put in each of you this morning. And my prayer is this. When we go through this message today, my prayer is that you discover new dimensions of the reality of the things that God put in you and you come to terms with those gifts that he put in you have a big thing to do with what God's calling you to and what God's plans for your life are really, really good. The amazing thing about gifts is they're very unique and God gives us all different ones. And sometimes a good way to understand what yours are is what comes really easy for you that's not so easy for others. That's a great way to understand what your gifting is. Um, story of this guy, he's, uh, he gets pulled over for a broken taillight and the uh, police officer walks up to the car and when he does, he looks in the back seat and he sees all these knives. So the police officer says, hey, what's going on with all these knives in your back seat, sir? And the guy goes, well, uh, it's actually part of my juggling act. And the police officer says, well, I don't believe it. Why don't you get out of the car and prove that to me? So sure enough, the guy gets out of the car and he's standing on one leg and he's juggling these knives. And just as this happened and a pickup drives by and these two guys look over and one guy says to the other, he says, man, I'm sure glad I gave up drinking. These sobriety tests are getting tougher all the time. (laughs) Different gifts, different gifts. Everyone's got a different gift. And what we're going to see about these gifts is these are really special abilities, special things that God put in you. Really, God put unique things in every person for a reason. There's a strategy behind it. And a lot about your future, a lot about your direction, a lot about your purpose in life as far as serving God in the big picture has so much to do with spiritual gifts. This is a topic that excites me because I know that if everyone in this room today would come to term with your spiritual gifts and really hold on to them and start walking this out, it can profoundly change not only your life, but the life of so many around you. I mean, it's that big of a deal. Uh, This is the kind of thing that when everyone comes to term with what their place is, what their part is, it's like God mobilizing an army of love that is unstoppable, unleashed on a world. That's what it's like when people start to recognize what their place is with spiritual gifts. Very powerful. They're powerful for reaching other people, helping other people grow. And what we're going to see today, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to be looking at spiritual gifts. If you have a Bible with you, you can turn there. If you don't, uh, this is in the bulletin. You can follow along. Um, The problem that was going on with the Corinthians was this. These guys had a whole bunch of spiritual gifts. They probably had more gifts than anybody else in the New Testament. So they were loaded with gifts. They just didn't understand what they were really to be used for and how they were to be used. So they were using them in a selfish way. They were using them in a self-serving way. And Paul said, look, you guys got a ton of gifts. That part's great, but let me redirect you. Let me educate you a little bit about why God even gave them to you and what they're supposed to be used for. And so we're going to break this down in sections, if you can follow along. And if you're a note taker this morning, there's four key things in here that if you understand these, you're going to be doing so much better when it comes to spiritual gifts. 
It starts out in, um, in verse 1. Paul says, Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. He's saying two things here. He's saying the way we used to operate was based on the way we were influenced. But now the way we're influenced, hopefully by the Holy Spirit, by the Spirit of God, we say and do different things. He's comparing their old nature and their new nature, their old world and their new world. And the punchline, and he's basically saying is, about these spiritual gifts, he's like, don't be ignorant about them. Now, this is important because when we talk about being ignorant, there are many in the church that are ignorant about spiritual gifts sections of Christianity where they they kind of bury this topic of spiritual gifts. They don't want to talk about them. They'll want to say that, well, maybe they don't exist, or if they do, only some of them do, or maybe the spiritual gifts, some of them died with the apostles, all kinds of reasons that people come up with that are simply not accurate to the word. Paul is telling you and I this morning, don't be ignorant. And that means we need to explore and understand what they are. We can't go, yeah, whatever, I'm going to move on. We have to stop and go, spiritual gifts, don't be ignorant. What do they mean? What, how does this relate to me? What's, what's going on about them? Uh, in this passage, what it means to, to not be ignorant is don't ignore them, to know about them, to discover them, and practice them. Because when you and I discover and practice our spiritual gifts, we're not ignorant about them anymore. But if we're not aware of them, and we don't discover what ours are, and we don't start functioning in them, then we would remain ignorant. And I would like to suggest to you that there is so much life for other people that depends on how you and I function in our spiritual gifts. If you and I stay ignorant about our gifts, it's going to have a whole different outcome in the life, not only your life, but the life of so many other folks around you. Yet, if we're not ignorant and we recognize, discover, and start functioning in our gifts, it dramatically changes the lives of so many people. And that's why this is like a real important key to the church, not just Metro Church here in the Valley, but the church at large, the church of Jesus Christ in the entire world. When people recognize that everyone's got a part, this is explosive. This unlocks a whole new dimension of life. And so if you're a note taker this morning, the first point is exactly that. It's I can no longer be ignorant I can no longer ignore my spiritual gifts. You can't ignore them. If you have ignored them up till now, let this be the end of ignoring them. Paul's saying don't be ignorant. Ignorant means to ignore and not deal with and and, and think about or stir up or use. But for us, I can no longer ignore them. And Paul's suggesting that to you this morning. That's a word for all of us today is to not ignore, to start moving forward. I love this next section of scripture. Um, He says this in verse 4, moving on. He says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them and all men. This is a really cool passage. Not only is it talking about spiritual gifts, but he's talking about gifts and service and working, and he refers to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit at the same time. I love how he ties this together. Um, There's different kind of gifts, but the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Uh, There's different kind of service, but the same Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And there's different kinds of working, but the same God, the Father God that he's referring to here. And the gifts that he's talking about, the Greek word is charisma. Charisma, very common word in our language, in our, in our society. But when people talk about charisma, some people ask the question, are you charismatic? And that's what that means in Christianity. If somebody says, well, are you charismatic or not? It really means, well, do you believe in spiritual gifts? And some would say, no. And some would say, well, some of them, but some of them, for some reason, they have reasons where they think that half of these gifts died with the apostles. Again, it's not a biblical approach, but some, that's their their choice to, to, to do that. But charisma means gifts. And so if you believe that God has gifts for his people, and you believe that your and my part is to recognize and walk in these spiritual gifts, by definition, that is charisma if you believe in the gifts of the Spirit. These are special abilities, special capabilities that come from the Holy Spirit to you. Very, very important. Different kinds means there's different varieties. There's an assortment. There's a wide range of them. They're totally different. It's amazing. Each one is very distinct from the other one, and they're from the Holy Spirit, and they're spiritual in nature. And then he says there's different kinds of service from the same Lord Jesus Christ. Now, these are different ways of serving and different ways of doing ministry. So one is a spiritual gift. The other is a way or a method that we serve him in different ways. We find those, if you want to explore this more, listed in Ephesians chapter 4, 11. You'll read more about those services that we're talking about. And then he goes on and say there's different kinds of working, uh, but the same God and Father who works them all. Romans chapter 12, 6 through 8, you'll find more about those kind of workings. Now, what's cool about this is this part is the working means the energy, really. In other words, the energy of God can flow through folks like you and me. That's what this is saying. Sometimes it's gifts. Sometimes it's places to serve where God put certain roles. And the other one is the energy of God flowing through folks like you and me to do certain things that God wants to get done. I don't know about you, but that's exciting to me. I would love to be in a spot where God's like, I want to get some stuff done, and I'm looking for some folks to use. Any of you guys want to sign up for that? Amen. That's what it's all about, guys. That's the abundant life. See, Jesus said that I came that you might have life and have it to the fullest, more abundantly. That means don't just live here existing on earth. Get in fully on the stuff that God has for you. Part of it is this. God wants to do some stuff and he's looking for some folks that he can use to do some of this kind of stuff. And the gifts and the power of God through people is explosive. It changes your lives and the lives of those around you. It's really where you want to be. It's the zone you want to be in. And that's why Paul is saying this is so important. Don't be ignorant about it. And a lot of folks are like, well, I'm not really hearing that. And they move on. Paul's like, no, this is a big deal, guys. Don't be ignorant. Understand this stuff. Really, really important. Um, In verse 7, you might want to underline this in your Bible because this is really the punchline. And if you get one thing today, please get this. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. This is so important right here. This this is kind of like the thesis statement here. To each one, every single person, he's talking about believers. He's writing to the Corinthians. They're all believers. It's a church. To each believer, to each one, is given this manifestation or expression of the Holy Spirit. So our second point this morning is exactly that. Every believer has at least one spiritual gift. The Bible tells you if you said yes to Jesus, you have a spiritual gift. Some folks might understand what theirs are. 
Others might not understand. But the bottom line is this. When you say yes to the living God, he puts a gift in you, and it's about discovering what it is, but it's a big deal. So every believer has at least one. Many of you have a lot more than one. I love the reason for this, too. It says the reason is for the common good. Real important. The reason, the reason that God put a gift in your life and in mine is for the common good. This is the whole thing that the church of Corinth, the Corinthians, were missing out on this completely. They weren't doing anything for the common good. They were using their own gift for themselves. And Paul's like, you know what, guys? You got a lot of gifts, but you're way out of line with the way you're using them. The thing about gifts is God gives you a gift, and it's for the common good. And this gets explosive in your life. When you understand that what God put in you is not just for you, but it's for others too. What God put in you, he designed you to start giving it away. Freely you've been given, freely give. This is God's economy. This is the way God works. When you start to understand that God put stuff in you for the reason of blessing other folks, and you start doing it, that's when you start to get to see some really amazing things about this abundant life we're talking about. Life to the fullest. You start to see it when you do this. So the third point this morning, and it's an important one, is this. It's not about keeping my gift. It's about giving it away. It's not about keeping my gift. Some folks have a gift and they do what they want with it, when they want with it, the way they want with it. And what you'd see in the kingdom of God is God gave you a gift so you find out what it is so you can start giving it away. And what you'll also find is when you start giving away what God gave you, you know what he does? He multiplies it. He gives you even more. If you're going to be like Paul says, a drink offering, he goes, I pour myself out like a drink offering, and he gives away what God gives him, God keeps filling them. And God will keep filling you and me and everyone else who's willing to give away with whatever he gives you. But if we hold on to what he gives us, he's not going to fill anymore because we haven't even given it away yet. See, everything is a trust. Life is a test, a trust, and a temporary assignment. Part of it is what do you do with the things that God gave you? And if you're willing to give them away, freely you've been given, freely give, watch what he does. He'll give you more. It's really cool. This is something that the entire Corinthian church did not get. This is something the devil doesn't want you to know. Because when the church of Jesus Christ starts to function this way and operate this way, it gets pretty explosive Life start to change. Folks start to wake up, come to life, get involved, and things change in a big way. This is really cool stuff. Enemy doesn't want you to know about this. It's not about keeping my gift. It's about giving it away. It's not for your benefit or my benefit. It's for the common good. God gave you your gifts for the purpose of helping other folks. That's it. And when people see that, when other folks observe that, they look at that and they go, you know what? That's the real deal right there. People can't deny the reality, the fruit. People can't deny fruit. If it's a good fruit tree with good oranges, you know, hey, it's a good fruit tree. You can't deny fruit. Fruit is is evidence of a reality. And when people see this happening in folks' lives, they go, you know what? That's the real deal right there. And that's the way it works with this kind of stuff. When God gives you gifts and you're willing to freely give away what you've been given and people get to see that, they're like, you know what? I don't know what they have, but I want what they have. And they get to see the power of God flowing through you, and you're just giving it away. And God's going to give you more, and you get to give it away. And that's what half the world's missing, and they're looking for something like that. They don't know how to identify it. They don't know where they're going to find it. 
but it's right here. It's, it's surrendering to God and being used for his glory. That's really, your designer knows your design better than you and I know it. He's our designer. He's the potter, we're the clay, he's the maker. We talked a couple of weeks ago, you can check out the messages online, but we went over how God ordained and orchestrated things for you before you and I were even born. We talked about vision and destiny from God's perspective, God's plans. All this stuff is his design, and here is the fulfillment. When we start recognizing these gifts, start functioning in them, and start giving stuff away, watch what he does, radical stuff. Um, Recently, there was a major discovery made they discovered that beneath the smoking hot Sahara Desert, they found literally miles and miles of underground rivers under the Sahara Desert. And in fact, they've actually identified 26 freshwater lakes underneath the Sahara Desert. And that's an amazing find. The sad part is there were so many people that died out there in that Sahara Desert because of two things. They either didn't know there was water under there, way down, or they just simply didn't know how to access that water. That's the same with the church in a lot of ways, with spiritual gifts. If we could understand that these gifts are down there and we can find them and bring them out, there's a lot of life to be had for a lot of folks. But if those gifts just kind of stay down there and we don't see them, then there's not a lot of lives that get changed. Does that make sense? It's amazing stuff. And and this is the kind of thing that, that separates a... A regular church from a life-giving church. See, we want to be a life-giving church. We want to be a church that gives life. We want to be a church that affects people in communities. I know we support a lot of uh, AIDS orphans and people like that, but even in the community, we want to be a church that gives life. And the way we give life is if all of us collectively, not just the pastor or the worship team or the people serving in children's ministry or ushers, but if all of us come to terms with our gifting and our calling and start to freely give as we've been given, start to not only hold on to your gift, but give it away, things start to change. And we all start to give life. And people see that and they go, that's the real deal. That's the way God designed it. It's really, really important. Um, So many gifts available. So many gifts available. So many have not been discovered or have not been taken out and put into use, just like the Sahara Desert. Um, It moves on in verse 8. And he says, to one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still, another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each one just as He determines. That's an important, you might want to underline that in verse 11, that the Holy Spirit gives each gift as He determines. In other words, the Holy Spirit knows exactly what is the best gift for you and I. We can't be looking over our shoulder and going, what about that gift? I wish I had that gift. How come I didn't get this one? No, the Holy Spirit knows what gift is the best gift for you and me. He knows it. He knows everything. The, Holy, the Bible says the Holy Spirit knows all things and searches all things. He knows everything. He's searching. He knows hearts. He knows dimensions. He knows the beginning from the end and from the beginning. And in that, with that in mind, he gives gifts exactly the way he determines them. So that means, guys, that God already determined which gift is best for you. He already determined that. That's pretty cool. And... 
you will know so much more about life and direction and purpose when you understand your spiritual gifts. Really, really important. Now, in this passage in Corinthians, he lists some of the gifts. These are not all the gifts listed in the Bible, but these are quite a few of them. He starts out, one of them is a word of wisdom, a word of wisdom, and there's also a word of knowledge, and let me differentiate those. Knowledge is when the Holy Spirit tells you, shows you, or speaks to you, or gives you some insight to something that you never normally would have. The answer to something, how do you know that? Somebody's going through a struggle and you're maybe praying for them and you're asking God, boy, it'd be great to help them out. And the Holy Spirit, because this is how he operates, he leads, he guides, he comforts, he counsels. The Holy Spirit can speak to your heart in a still small voice and say, boom, this word or this statement, which is knowledge that you and I don't have. It comes from the living God. And it's very cool when God gives somebody that kind of knowledge because that's a huge blessing to other people's lives. And so you might say, hey, look, I was praying for you and I I really sensed God say this. Now they can take that and pray about it themselves. But the cool thing is you got something from the king of all kings who knows and sees everything. He gives you this gift to have an insight and you get to share it with somebody. That's amazing. The other one is a gift of wisdom. That's not so much the knowledge, it's what to do with knowledge. There's a lot of knowledge in the world, but a lot of folks don't know what to do with the knowledge that they have. So wisdom is to discern this would be wise right now and this wouldn't. The timing is this, it's not this. Um, The best thing to do right now would be wait or I could see where God's calling us to move forward even though it looks a little bizarre right now. We gotta walk in faith. I really, this is what this does. Wisdom is different from knowledge that way. Another gift is faith. Now, in the Bible, we're all called to walk in faith. The entire Christian walk is a walk of faith. It's a faith journey. The whole thing is. But a gift of faith is different. A gift of faith is the kind of person, maybe it's you or one of your friends who has a little extra faith. They've got a little extra hope all the time. They, they kind of see further down the road, no matter what's going on with economy or finances or struggles or problems or things, they still have this hope. They're still holding on a little stronger than folks around them. This is really, really important because they have this gift of faith. They have this ability to trust that goes beyond most folks. And you know what? We need them in our lives. We need them because sometimes we're hitting a wall and we're ready to give up or throw in the towel That's when somebody with the gift of faith comes along and says, hey, can I just tell you something? You're getting through this. You are getting through this and God's gonna see you through this. I know he is and you need to hear that. We all need to hear that. That's why this gift of faith is so important. Gift of knowledge is important. Gift of wisdom. And when we start recognizing these and we start giving these away, a lot of folks are getting life. Does that make sense? There's a lot of life to be had here. The other one is healing. This is where God's telling you to pray for people to get healed. Some folks are scared to death. They're like, I'm not going to pray for them. What if they don't get healed? I mean, a lot of folks are afraid to go pray for anybody for healing because they're just not, what if it doesn't happen? And they internalize it. They make it kind of about them. If it doesn't happen, maybe they'll think something weird. No, gift of healing is I really sense God saying he wants to do something. He's still God. He's going to do what he wants, when he wants, the way he wants. But I'm going to go pray for someone's healing. And every once in a while, you hear these stories of, wow, that fever broke and it's gone now. Or this happened and this situation you know, changed in a profound way. That's a, that's a gift. Miraculous powers is the same thing. Maybe not physical healing, but breakthrough in another area where someone is 
upside down financially or something's crashing in on them and someone with the gift of you know, God doing some miraculous powers, you're praying for breakthrough in a way that God answers and it's explosive when it happens. Do you see why the devil wants to keep these under the Sahara Desert? Do you see why? Fresh water like this, all these lakes of fresh water like the Sahara. Do you see why the devil doesn't want them coming out? But if we recognize ours and we share what they are, it's explosive because we give life to each other and you don't misappropriate it like the Corinthian church did. We do it straight up biblically according to the way the Spirit leads and there's a lot of life to be had, guys. This is really cool stuff. The other one is prophecy. Now, prophecy can be two different things. It can be either foretelling, like the future, or forthtelling, speaking forth the heart of God. A gift of prophecy is where someone either sees a situation or someone's life and, and they can kind of pray about it and they hear from God because really these are all gifts from the Spirit so they're coming from God. It's not stuff we're making up. The Spirit of God saying something about the future, what it's going to be like. I'm not talking about cataclysmic world-end events necessarily. The Bible gives us profound definition on that stuff. But like, you know, I sense the Lord saying that this is going to happen unless this happens. And you're like... Where did that come from? Well, the Holy Spirit. That's prophetic. That's saying something futuristic about something. The other one is simply forthtelling, to be able to know the heart of God from what's in Scripture, and the Holy Spirit saying, this applies right now. Bam. And somebody would share a Scripture in the middle of a situation and really say, I believe the Lord's saying this. Boom. And they say it in such a way that when you hear it, you might go, you know what? <laughs> I think you're right. That seems like that's from God. That's prophecy in action. That's really important. You know, some, some don't think these gifts are around today and it's really short-sighted because when folks don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit, it's choosing to be ignorant, I believe, about them. Uh, the other one is this, guys, distinguishing between spirits. Some call that discerning of spirits. This is when, say you're out somewhere and something happens and you're not sure because it's kind of like shocking, is this from God right now, or is this from evil? Have you ever been in an encounter anywhere, anytime, any place with anything that you're kind of like taken off guard or you're a little shocked or surprised and you're not really sure, is this from God or is this from evil? There's something going on right now and it's spiritual and you don't, anybody ever have that situation? That's a time when you need the gift of discernment or somebody, one of your friends or someone around you needs the gift of discernment because there can be a confusing moment. You're like, is, is this God or is this not God? I, I don't know. I need to know. Gift of discernment is exactly that. It's a spiritual ability to go, no, that's not from God. That is not from God. Or to say the opposite, going, no, God is in that. Watch. Watch what God's going to do. And to be able to separate the cloudiness and say, this is from God and this is not from God. It says in 1 John 4, 1, it says to test the spirits. Test the spirits. Are they from the Lord or not? There's a whole spiritual realm around us that sometimes we're not always aware of. And when something manifests spiritually, some folks are like, I don't know if it's from God or not. I know it's kind of supernatural. I know it's spiritual. I just don't know if it's from God or not. Somebody with a gift of discernment, discerning the spirits, will be able to distinguish between this is from the Lord and this isn't. And that's important because that helps all of us. Does that make sense? This is really important stuff. Uh, one is speaking in tongues. Now, when we look at everything Scripture says about this, this is a spiritual language. It's a prayer language. Uh, almost every time it comes up in Scripture, it's a prayer language between the person and the Lord in a spiritual 
unknown language, a spiritual language. And when it does come up in a public setting, and it's rarely, but it does come up, and it says when it does, there needs to be an interpretation. If there's a tongue in a public setting, there needs to be a spiritual interpretation so folks aren't confused. No one's supposed to be confused like, what was that? What's going on? So a spiritual language and a spiritual interpretation, those are important things. Those are gifts, and they are realities. Now, it goes on. I'm going to share some of these other ones briefly. Romans chapter 12, 6 through 8, if any of you want to um, at least mark that down for later. There's other gifts listed. The ones in Corinthians are a batch of them, but there's a bunch more gifts. Romans 12, 6 through 8 uh, talks about the gift of serving. Praise God for the gift of service. There are some that have this gift. It's the gift of helps, some would call it. And it's the folks who just, whenever they see a need, they're just really good. They're hardwired to go, I don't know why anybody's not doing something, but I I think I need to step in and help out here. Praise God, because there's others that'll stand by and just watch. (laughs) They'll see a need. They'll look at it. They'll think about it. They'll wonder how long is it going to take for someone to do something about that. It's funny how that works. But the gift of helps is like, Someone's got to jump in here. I'll do that. It's amazing. Praise God for that gift. There's the gift of teaching. Gift of teaching is to kind of break down the word and explain it in a relatable way so folks get it. There's the gift of encouragement. Praise God for that gift. There's folks who get a little stressed out and burned out, and they need help because some folks are running on fumes, and they're out of steam, and they just don't have much more to give. And they're not really inspired to go much further. And that's when the gift of encouragement comes along and says, hey, you know what? Let me just explain something. God is for you, not against you. And, you know, and, and all of a sudden, they put a little wind in your sail. Praise God. There can't be enough encouragement in the church of Jesus Christ. There can't be too much. There can never be too much. Have you ever met anybody overly encouraged? Exactly. Uh, that's my point. A lot of discouraged people, but nobody overly encouraged. This is a great gift, and we should all encourage one another, but there are some with this gift. They're just amazing at it. They're constantly fanning folks in the flame. Praise God. Uh, In Romans, it mentions a gift of contributing or a gift of giving. This is not the typical biblical giving referring to tithes and offerings. Tithes in the Bible is a biblical concept where we give God the first fruits of everything he gives us. It all belongs to him, and we give him the first 10% back. That's a biblical tithe. That's scriptural. God says, I'll bless that. And God says, if you don't, you're kind of robbing me. That's between you and the Lord, but that's what it says about giving. However, there's some who go far beyond that call of expectation. They're just kind of hardwired going, I don't know what it is, but I just really like to, I really enjoy, I want to. And they give exceptionally because they have this gift of giving. You may or may not have that gift, but folks who do, this is just the way they live. They're they're constantly giving gifts and blessing folks because it's a gift that God gave them and it's unique and it's a huge blessing. So contributing. Uh, One is a gift of leading or leadership where some have the perspective where they look at a situation, they can discern what's missing, they understand direction, V formation and, and focus and future. Some have that really good gift of leadership. That's another gift in the Bible. Uh, one is a gift of mercy, and I'm throwing these out there briefly because as I go through these, some of you are kind of going, oh, I think I have that. And some of you are going, I don't have that, but I have that. So be patient because as your gift comes up, you go, yeah, I think I kind of have that. Uh, one is a gift of mercy. Again, everyone would see a situation and some are like, wow, that's a bummer. But the gift of mercy goes, oh, no, wait, we got to go over and help them. Well, why didn't everybody go help them? I don't know. The one with mercy sure did. 
The one with mercy saw it in a different way. The one with mercy took it on personally. In fact, when you look at the Greek word of mercy, it really means, get a load of this visual, to get underneath someone's skin, to take their skin and put it on you. You got that visual? That's mercy. And people with the gift of mercy, they see what somebody's going through and they feel it because they get in underneath that person's skin, so to speak, and they feel their pain. And because they feel their pain, they're motivated and compelled by the Holy Spirit to come and help them or come along in a whole different way where others are like, well, yeah, I think we should do something, you know, and they're not really sure what or how. And gift of mercy, they're like already running towards a situation. Their heart breaks for this stuff. Uh, One is a gift of administration. Praise God for this gift too. This is a gift where people see order. They see structure. Gift of administration people, they calendar everything in their life. Gift of administration people, they have everything checks and balanced. There's a lot of order in their life. Some of you might say, no, I'm severely lacking that gift. Um, (laughs) But praise God for the ones who have it because it's a blessing for the whole body, for the whole church, for the design that God would have for his people. It's important for the big picture. Another is the gift of hospitality. Again, you know, some, uh, the gift of hospitality, those are the folks that are always inviting folks over, opening their home, and having people over for meals all the time. Because they just, they love, really, to have folks over. Others might be thinking, no, my house isn't clean enough, and I don't know what I'm going to cook. And there's a lot of reasons why you might be going, I don't know when I can do that or how often. But others are like, no, I want to have folks over. Let's sit down and have coffee. Come on over. And the gift of hospitality is always trying to open the door and and put on some coffee. Or this is hospitality, and praise God, because the church needs that gift, too. There are many more In the Bible, when you look at the fullness of Scripture, you remember David, young King David, before he took the throne, there was a king named Saul. And Saul was tormented by evil spirits. Well, David had this gift, this gift of music as a psalmist, but spiritual songs, not just secular songs. It was an anointing. It was something special that God gave him that everybody else didn't have. And he would be able to go and play his harp, and he would be able to play... And whenever he did this, the evil spirits couldn't hang around anymore because this music was anointed. It was a gift as a psalmist, so to speak, as a songwriter for the glory of God. And the the evil spirits had to go away. They couldn't tolerate this. Now, everyone didn't have that gift. And there are many different gifts in the Bible that come up randomly all over the place. And a good gifts test will include all the gifts that we see throughout the Bible and put them in one place and give you a bunch of questions, and be honest with yourself. Yes, I do this often, sometimes, hardly ever, or never. The best way to do it is to be honest with the way you do that, and you're going to find out some great results. So I'm excited about that. But this is, how, this is how the gifts would work in the church today. For example, right here, right now. Say someone's walking in with a cup of coffee, right, in the back, and as they're walking down here, they, they spill it. And the whole cup of coffee, a big old vente frap or whatever it is, comes rolling down the aisle here for everyone to see. A big old mess. This is how the gifts at work might be seen here today if, if this happened. Uh, the gift of prophecy would say, you know, <laughs> I knew that was going to happen. Uh, I saw that one coming. I saw that coming. <laughs> uh, gift of teaching would say, you know, if we had a lid on our cups, lids wouldn't let that to happen. Keep your balance, keep the lid on it. That won't happen again in the future. That's the gift of teaching. Uh, the gift of exhortation, which is encouragement, 
would walk up, put their arm around the person and say, hey, you know, look on the bright side of things. That'll probably never happen again. You know, that's the gift of encouragement. The gift of mercy would say, come down, probably get on their knee and look the person right in the eye and say, hey, don't feel too bad. That could have happened to anybody. You know, that's gift of mercy. The gift of intercession would say, wow, that was rough. Can I pray for you? Um, Gift of service would say, hey, why don't you let me help you clean that up? Gift of giving would say, here, why why don't you have my coffee? Isn't that interesting how everybody would respond different to that situation? They're just different gifts. We all have them in this room. Some of those you might say, yeah, I would definitely be more that one than the other one. And that's just the way it works in the kingdom of God, but in a greater scope. Not only in the church, but in your neighborhood. See, some of these gifts are for building other folks up. Some of these gifts are for reaching other folks who don't yet know God. They haven't yet experienced His grace. And God's calling people by name all over the place, but no one's really out there introducing folks to God. There's some folks helping people grow in the things of God, but there's a whole other dimension of being on the fringe and reaching people for the glory of God. And these gifts are for all these different things. And when it happens, it's just explosive. It's really God's design. Again, it's stuff that the devil doesn't want you to know. He doesn't want you to discover your gift. He doesn't want you to start walking it out. He doesn't, because uh, there's so much life here. But the bottom line is that each of you have a gift. Not only does he want you to discover it, he wants you to start using it. Now, if you discover your gift, it's important for you to take the next step of faith. And you can even email the church and say, I discovered my gifts, they're this. We want to help you use them. We want to help you plug in or find a place So you can start using your gift, not just here in the local church, but even in the bigger scope of our city, because there's a bigger picture, guys. There's a bigger picture going on. And when it comes to what God is assembling in the big picture for, I believe, revival in our city, it's going to take everyone finding their place. It's going to take everyone understanding. I think God wired me for this. I want to do something with it. It's going to take that. It really is going to take that. And you have to know that you really, really do have such an important part. You really do. Each of you has an important part. And to think that you don't is, is a fallacy. You have an important part. And you, God designed you with an important part. And when you come to terms with that, you want to discover what your, discover what your important part is. Uh, the fourth point is exactly that this morning. It's, it's this. It's when, when God gave me a, a gift, he gave me a ministry. When God gave you a gift, he gave you a ministry. You might not think, hey, well, I don't really do ministry, man. I just came to hang out and hear a message today. I didn't think I was signing up for ministry or something. Let me tell you something. If you said yes to Jesus, if you're a follower of the living God, God put a gift in you, and he expects that gift to come out of you. When he gave you a gift, he gave you a ministry. It might not be some formal ministry that you normally think of, but he gave you a ministry. He gave us all a ministry. And as soon as we start to understand and learn what that is, and first it's like going out on the ice. You know, I was raised back in New York, and when a lake would freeze over or a pond would freeze over, we would always be, you know, with the other kids on the block, like, who's going to go check it out? Not me. Why don't you go check it out? Because the ice, you didn't know if it was this thick or this thick. No one knew. So it was always like the first, like, freeze of the years. Like, who's going to check it out? Not me. Why don't you go check it out? So, you know, some people are out there checking the ice, and once in a while it cracks and you fall in. i fallen in before and you know they go pulling you out but sometimes you would take something heavy we would take it and we would just throw it out there and wait to see if it falls through 
and we go out a little further and take something heavy and throw it to see if it falls through because we want to know how much substance is there before we're out playing hockey or something on that ice. And so the same thing is with your, with your gifts. When you discover what they are, you start taking some steps and God's going to meet you. And then you're going to go, I, I think I get it now. And you start taking some more steps with your gift and God's going to meet you there. You walk in faith with your gifts. He's going to reveal more about your gift. You're going to grow in your gift. You're going to get better at functioning in your gift. You're going to understand what your place is and you're going to understand what your place isn't. That's helpful. You're also going to understand what other people's place is. And I'm telling you, when these gifts all start working together, it is radical. It is so, so amazing. When God gave me a gift, he gave me a ministry. And every believer has an important ministry. In fact, 1 Peter 2.9, Peter calls this the priesthood of all believers. This is something that the early church for the first 300 years Everyone was serving in all kinds of different ways. It wasn't just, think about this. Jesus shows up on the scene. It's the high priests, the Pharisees, Sadducees, Sanhedrin, organized religion. Jesus shows up, pretty much ignores all that. He goes to the Sea of Galilee and the surrounding all around Israel, out John the Baptist at the Jordan River. Regular folks serving God in powerful ways. The religious elite were blown away. They didn't like that. They were out checking it out, going, what's going on? We see the power of God over here. How come it's not us? They didn't understand that. Regular folks being used by God for explosive things. Jesus calls 12 apostles, sends them out to do explosive things. He sends out a group of 70. We don't even know their names. Sends them out. They're coming back doing explosive things. And book of Acts, you know, the day of Pentecost, there's 120 and then there's 3,000 and then there's on and on of people finding their place and going out and the world's turning upside down. That's the first 300 years of the church history. After that, Rome decided to put it under one organized leadership and it kind of went back to the other model. It went back to where the leaders and everyone else is the people and there's the leaders and the people. That's exactly what Jesus turned on end. And if you want to know the full history, Martin Luther comes along in the 1500s, and what does he do? He starts giving it back to the people again. And here along the journey, some get it, some don't get it, but here in the 21st century to say, you know what? It is, according to God's design, a priesthood of all believers. You have a part. Every one of you has a part. Every one of you has a role. Every one of you has a gifting. And the sooner you discover that, the better the kingdom becomes and a lot of lives around you change. It's really, really important. And the reason I get so impassionate about this, it tells me in Ephesians 4.12, the Bible tells me my job as a pastor, my role, my description, it tells me what it is. It says a pastor's job is to prepare God's people for works of service, whatever that may be, so that the whole body of Christ may be built up. In other words, if every one of you in here and all of your believing friends realize what their gifts are, some of them to help others grow, some of them are to reach others, but everyone does just their part, just their part, the whole world starts to turn on end. And that's revival, guys. God starts getting the glory. Things start getting explosive when we do this. Paul says don't be ignorant about them and to desire spiritual gifts. You might consider it like this in closing, guys. God has given each one of you a sweet spot. A sweet spot. You know, if you ever swing a bat, you know what a sweet spot is. A bat, you know, a batter can be up there and there could be a 90 mile an hour pitch and sometimes it foul tips off the top or hits it low and it's just like a little rolls to 
you know, maybe third base. But if you connect with the sweet spot, wham, right on that sweet spot, that ball is going to sail, sometimes out of the park. Why? Because you connected with the sweet spot. The same is true with tennis. Bam, you hit it with the sweet spot. It takes off. The sweet spot. A golfer, the same thing. You know, you're teeing up and you're trying to hit a ball. If you, if you hit it with the sweet spot, wham, that thing just goes and goes and goes. The sweet spot is the zone. It's the place that it was designed to connect. God gave you a sweet spot just like that. And when you start functioning and, and things start hitting in the sweet spot in your life, a lot of stuff starts to change. Things go further. Things get better. There's just simply more impact. That's the way sweet spots work. God gave you one. And when you discover what it is, you start to use it. It gets explosive. Question is this this morning. Have you found your spiritual sweet spot? God gave you a sweet spot. It's your spiritual gift. Have you found it? If you haven't, find it soon. If you haven't, find it real soon. Got to discover your spiritual sweet spot. If you have... If you have discovered your spiritual sweet spot, then you keep on swinging for the glory of God. You keep on swinging for the glory of God and you're going to see lives around you change and God's going to use you more and more. You start taking steps of faith. Don't stay in your comfort zone. Take a big step out. That's where God meets you. God doesn't meet you in a comfort zone. He meets you when you step out. He always meets folks when they step out. So we're going to close in prayer this morning. And that's my prayer is that you would find your spiritual sweet spot. You would discover your gifts. You start using them for the glory of God and watch what he will do. Uh, mighty God, we, I thank you for this topic, Lord. I thank you. Paul tells us to don't be ignorant about spiritual gifts. He also tells us to desire them. We're supposed to desire them. So Lord, I pray for everyone in this room, Lord, to discover what their gifts are. And I pray that everyone in this room would decide to use them for your glory in profound and amazing ways. I pray you show us where to take the first step on using the gifts for your glory, that we don't hold on to them, that we give them away. And that, Lord, that you would freely give to us and we would freely give away and we would be a life-giving church, a life-giving people. I pray there'd be revival in our city uh, when the church starts to function this way, God. I pray you would do great and mighty things, Lord God. I also want to pray, Lord, maybe there's some that they recognize you, they acknowledge you, they may even honor you, but they have never had a single day in their life where they held up the white flag. The only way that you can be the Lord of someone's life is if they've held up the actual white flag at some time, where they said, I'm surrendering to you, I'm getting off the throne and letting you on it. That doesn't happen gradually. That just doesn't, we don't get raised in a household and that is a natural outcome. It has to be a day where we choose by our own choice, I surrender to you. I'm getting off the throne and making you Lord. I pray today, Lord, for some that are saying, you know, it is time. It's time. I've never actually said that. I honor God a little bit, respect him, but you know what? I haven't actually done that. I pray that today would be the day. Today would be the day that they'd say, you know what, I'm going to choose to decrease so that you can increase, God. I'm going to get off the throne and put you on it. I want to turn and follow you. I don't have it down and I'm not perfect and I still have things to work out, but I do want you to take away any of my mess, any of my sin, any of my shortcomings. Take them away, Lord. Forgive me. Give me a fresh, clean slate. Put your spirit in me, God. I believe, Jesus, that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose from the grave. I want to turn and follow you. I don't have it down, but give me your Holy Spirit. Give me the spiritual power 
so that I can start to follow you and start to have these gifts and use them for your glory. I want to finally stop existing. I want to finally start living. So Lord, any that would say that today in the privacy of their own heart, you would honor that. I pray they would tell me or someone they came with so that we can encourage them on this journey of faith. And the rest of us, Lord God, I just pray that this thing of gifts would profoundly change our life, that our course would be forever changed with a whole new dimension of purpose and power for the glory of the living God. And we thank you in advance for these things. Pray for a profound blessing on everyone's week. And we ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. 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 This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit valleymetrochurch.com.